0: Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Happy Saturday, and thanks for joining us here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki with you until 10 o'clock. On this Saturday morning, we've got plenty to get to. It's the middle of the summer now. Actually, I guess we're more just starting to hit those summer months, but that means we can get into some hypotheticals here. We're going to talk a little bit of Syracuse football. I want to get into a little bit of quarterback talk. What's going to transpire over this summer and going into next year? What's it going to take for Tommy DeVito to play over Eric Dungy? I'll get to that later on in the show. We'll also talk a little bit of Syracuse basketball. What's going on on the AAU circuit Plenty to talk about now that things are in full effect. The EYBL Nike Elite Circuit is pretty much in full swing, almost over actually. So I'll give you an update on how all of Syracuse's prospects and targets and commits are doing out. I guess they're going to Atlanta soon for Peach Jam. That's the the big part of this, kind of like the playoffs of the EYBL Circuit. But first, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and SoundCloud at orange fizz also subscribe on itunes you'll get full orange fizz radio episodes like this as well as the weekly fizz cast so be sure to give us a subscribe and rate us five stars on itunes all that would be much appreciated okay so we're, we're in the summer months now and it's time to start looking into how you build your team and of course The summer, a big time to recruit basketball-wise. Jim Beheim and company certainly have their work cut out for them. Again, yes, a a good amount of the team should be returning, but you're going to be missing a lot of key pieces. And there's a a bunch of maybes on the Syracuse basketball roster heading into 2019. Again, this is way down the line. We're talking two years down the line. But it all kind of starts now in these summer months. And when you look at some of the positions that Syracuse might need to fill, all right, we know that Pascal Chukwu is gone after next season. So that opens up a big center spot that you're going to need to fill in somehow. Frank Howard also going to be gone after next season. And who knows, Jalen Carey may also be gone too. It obviously depends how everything plays out. And again, these are all super hypotheticals at this point. But there, I wouldn't say there's a 0% chance that Jalen Carey leaves after next season because one of the reasons he came to Syracuse was that he was told by the coaching staff, we want to help you become a one and done type player because you can be, that's the type of player, that's your skill caliber. We think you're a good enough player to go one-and-done. So, again, wouldn't rule it out. And then, of course, the big one that I think is definitely going to leave and This is going to be the real burning question, kind of like what Syracuse had with Tyus Battle this past season. What's going to happen with O'Shea Brissett? Because a lot of places think that he could be a lottery pick in that 2019 draft. And hey, I don't disagree with it. I think that O'Shea Brissett very well could be a lottery pick in that 2019 draft. And of course, Tyus Battle probably going to declare for the draft and sign an agent after coming back this season. Again, not a lot of people thought he'd come back and stay this season. But he is back, but next season we're assuming that Tyus Battle will likely head off to the NBA. So let's take a look at some of the players that Syracuse is looking at on this EYBL circuit. Again, this is just the Nike-sponsored club, so not only uh, these aren't the only players that Syracuse is looking at. There's a couple playing in an Under Armour League. There's probably an Adidas League out there as well. So let's take a look real quick at just the lone commit so far that Syracuse has in its class is Bryson Goodine. And let's just say he's been playing pretty damn well so far this summer. Lone commit, as I mentioned, the Rhode Island Gatorade Player of the Year, He's dropped 20 or more points in five of his last seven games, averaging just under 20 points per game. But the thing that's really separating him on this circuit and that's allowing him to score the basketball with ease is his three-point shooting. 39 three-pointers so far. He's shooting it at just under 39%. Both of those are top 15 numbers. He has been unbelievable. He earned all Hampton third team at the latest session. So there's different sessions I believe there's an Indianapolis, a Hampton, then, of course, the Atlanta. And I'm forgetting one, but there's a couple of sessions. And he was, I was talking to him earlier in the week. He said that he's been playing his best ball as of late. And it's certainly showing he's been unbelievable shooting the ball. And I think right now he's a three-star commit. I think we're going to see that number raise after the summer circuit. Again, this guy's a, a prep player, too, so he's taking a prep year next year at St. Andrews School, kind of like what Cole Swider did, who's was a Syracuse target. Now he's a Villanova player for next season for Jay Wright and company, the defending national champs. But I really think we could see Bryson Goodine's stars go up after this summer circuit. He's been playing out of his mind. He's shown he's one of the top scorers on the circuit, and you're playing against the best of the best. Again, it's not like he's going up against a bunch of other three-star guys. He's the best player on a team that is going up against a bunch of four- and five-star recruits. You're playing the cream of the crop in the country. And for Bryson Goodine to be able to go out there and perform at this type of level, not just a couple times, but consistently... I think we're really going to see his stock improve. And again, this is one of those Syracuse things. We saw it last year with a guy like O'Shea Brissett and Mark Doljai and even a touch with Barama Sadibe as well. These guys outperform. Again, Syracuse has really shown these last couple of years having a good eye for some of the under-the-radar recruits. And I think we might see that again this coming year with a guy like Robert Braswell as well. So that's something to look out for for 2018 and 2019. But again, Bryson Goodon could be another one of those diamonds in the rough. And he was a guy who committed really early on in the process. He wasn't getting a ton of looks, but Syracuse went right in there. Again, his dad was a former UMass player as well. So he's got that college basketball bloodline in him. He's from a basketball family. And I really think that he's going to turn out to be something pretty special for this orange team especially a team that really has struggled to shoot the ball a little bit, especially when you think of last year's shooting and offense kind of really hindered that team and maybe held it back from reaching its entire potential, especially in the regular season, maybe not so much in the NCAA tournament because I think that team really did max out its potential with a sweet 16 run. But Bryson Gooden, I think, could be really effective down the line when you look at what he brings to the table, the scoring ability... And how he's going to bring that to the next level. Again, shooting is one of those things that it's going to translate level to level. I mean, the the basket doesn't change at all. The, the distance that you're shooting doesn't change at all. So I think that we're going to see a lot of good things out of Bryson Gooden. Yeah, the defense maybe changes up a little bit. And maybe the AAU circuit isn't the greatest place to kind of get a look into all of that. But as, again, it, it kind of preaches the whole hero ball. It doesn't put a huge emphasis on defense. You're really just going out there. You're trying to impress the scouts. Because remember, there's going to be uh, all these college coaches out there watching your every single move and they want to see what you have. And and that's why it's kind of preached this hero ball type atmosphere in AAU. Not a lot of stress on defense because these college coaches want to see what you can do with the basketball in your hands. And that's how you get that four, that five star recruit level ranking. And right now we're seeing that out of Bryson Goodine so far in this EYBL circuit. So certainly good things to come out of him. I'm really looking forward to how he progresses throughout the circuit and into his senior season at St. Andrews. And It could be, uh, he could be a a potential four or five star guy when it's all said and done. Again, I'm going to get to some of these other recruits that Syracuse is looking at that are playing on the circuit. I'll get to all that and a little bit more later on in the show, but I just wanted to highlight Bryson Goodine right out of the gate because, again, he's the lone commit and he's outperforming a lot of these guys that are five star recruits, top 15, top 20 players in the country, and who's above them all? It's Bryson Goodine so far, so... Big things to come from him down the road. All right, coming up, I'm going to get to some of the other targets. These guys aren't on the Orange's roster yet, but you might see them wearing a Syracuse uniform in 2019. I'll tell you who they are and how they're doing. That's coming up on Fizz Radio. Hey, welcome back, Fizz Radio on the score 1260. I'm Tyler Rocky, and I'm here with you until 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning. Tough to believe that it's already June 9th, final, the sweet, rather the sweet 16 was about two and a half months ago. It just feels like there's been this block of empty time, but so much has happened in that little bit since Syracuse lost in the Sweet 16 to Duke. So much has happened, but in such a short period of time, and it feels just like yesterday. So when all that news cycle starts flowing, it just feels like the time is moving faster and faster. And this summer is already here, and we're just going to break down a little bit more of the Syracuse basketball recruiting cycle and what they're looking at this summer on the Nike EYBL circuit I went through Bryson Goodine. I went into him in deep length in the first segment. And if you missed any of that, you can find all of that by subscribing to us on iTunes. You subscribe. Orange Fizz also drop us a five-star rating. We appreciate the feedback, and you'll get all the other great stuff that we put out there. Exclusive interviews, we talked to Paris Bennett a couple of weeks ago about his life in the NFL now with the Green Bay Packers. Also gave you some Fortnite tips, so any Fortnite fans out there, you're going to want to go and listen to that one. He gives you, I think he told me he's got 50 squad wins, over 50 squad wins, and Tim Leonard, who I did the podcast with, he's more of a Fortnite guy, so he can tell you a little better, but that was really impressive to him, so it must be pretty good. I personally haven't gone all in on the Fortnite craze, but according to Tim Leonard, that's pretty damn impressive, so go check that out if you want a couple tips and also if you want to know what it's like to be an NFL player in the Green Bay Packers organization. Alright, so last segment, of course, I just talked about Bryson Goodine. Let's talk about some of these other guys that Syracuse is looking at on this AAU circuit. First one I want to start with is Jalen Leck. We're going to start with the guards here that Syracuse is taking a peek at. Jalen Leck, Top 15 guy out of North Carolina, and he's been able to score, and that's always kind of been his thing. He's a scorer, five-star player, too, averaging 14 points per game, but he's not the best player on his team. He's on the New York Renaissance team with Kofi Cockburn, who I'm going to get to later on. He's another SU target, but Lex also been a pretty good distributor on his team, almost four assists, and if you think about it, think about the AAU circuit real quick, Okay four assists doesn't seem like a lot. I mean, you think about in the NBA, the leading guy in assists each year is having double digits. Maybe like you think of like the Rajon Rondo years of the past, he's getting like 12, 13 assists per game, and he's leading the entire league with that. But four assists per game on the AAU circuit is pretty good because think about the way that they're coaching you there. They're coaching you to kind of play ISO ball. So the fact that you're getting 4 assists, you're distributing 4 easy baskets a game in a league that values iso ball you lose most of your assists opportunities and a lot of ball hogging happens on these AAU circuits as well so the fact that he's able to distribute at that clip pretty impressive of what his handle is and then the scoring to go along with it he does need to work on that 3 point shot so that's another reason why the 14 points per game is so impressive he's shooting 10% from 3 Four for 38, so and he has the second most attempts on the team as well. So it just kind of shows you that he's getting to the basket. He, he maybe has that mid-range jumper going too, but he's a great distributor. He could be a next in line of being one of those great Syracuse guards. And speaking of guys who may be next in line of being one of the great Syracuse guards, Joe Girard, and this is the one guy that Syracuse... Got, kind of got in on a little before everyone else. Again, Glen Falls guy nearby. Same high school as Jimmer Fredette. And Joe Girard's already shattered all of Jimmer's records pretty much scoring-wise. Again, this was a guy that threw... I'm not quite sure how many games, but it was pretty deep into the season. And he's averaging almost 50 points per game. I think it was over 50 points per game for a little bit as well. So that just kind of shows you the scoring ability of this guy. I don't care... If you're playing down two grades, if you're averaging 50 points a night, that's impressive. And especially when you're only a junior in high school as well. I don't care who you're playing up against. You're averaging 50 points a night. That's going to be impressive. Not averaging 50 points per game on this AAU circuit. That's just at 12.2 so far. But he is shooting the ball pretty well. 43 pointers made. That's coming at about a 37% rate. But... He is on that Albany City Rocks team, again, a, a team that Syracuse's buddy Bayheim played on. He was actually a teammate of Joe Girard's on Albany City Rocks. So Joe Girard, he excelled especially really early on. He was shooting the lights out of the ball. He's toned off a little bit. His last game, 0 for 7 from 3, and it's actually his only game on the circuit so far without making a 3, but... He's shooting the ball pretty well. He's got one of his teammates. That's another Syracuse commit, or rather target, that I'll get to on a little bit later. Isaiah Stewart. He actually just put Syracuse in his top ten, so I'll talk about him in just a little bit. But Joe Girard certainly a name to be excited about if you're an SU fan because this is a guy who I think Syracuse feels like they kind of have the inside track on him. He's from around the Syracuse area. I know there was a. he's getting some looks at Michigan. Duke's coming in, and now Notre Dame, I think, is in the mix too. So all these Power 5 schools are starting to get in on the Joe Girard train. But Syracuse kind of there from day one, so you wonder how much that's going to kind of play a role in all that. And I think Syracuse also kind of has this not really thing to hold over recruits' heads, but they, they can kind of say, hey, These big programs kind of swooped in at the last second these past couple of years, and it didn't turn out so well. Look at a guy like Jordan Tucker. He transferred before the season was even halfway done out of Duke because he wasn't getting any playing time. But since it was the Duke brand that came in late, they kind of swept him off his feet and swept him into Durham and brought him into the program, and then he was gone before he could even get to the second semester. You look at a guy like Quade Green, a guy who would have, Absolutely started at Syracuse day one. Would have maybe been the most talented player on the Orange, but he goes to a big program like Kentucky after it seemed like Syracuse had that inside track. They were in on him all the, all along, and then he goes to Kentucky, and he gets benched for Shea Gilgis Alexander. So it's just kind of the tale of the tape, and I can't remember if it was Seth Greenberg or Fran Fraschilla that put something out on Twitter. Both of those guys, ESPN guys, college basketball gurus, And they both said these players in this new era of college basketball where so much is going on and there's all these these outside forces. Again, it's starting to be controlled a little bit now with this whole FBI probe. And I've even heard from a recruit on the trail that says it seems like there's a greater effort being put in to make sure these outside forces, these boosters, aren't really locking in on some of these guys, and it seems like Nike is taking a a greater precaution to making sure it doesn't get in trouble with the FBI. But anyways, the point that for Shilla and Greenberg were making is that don't just go for the name. And again, this is something I've even advocated in the past, and I think it's a little different sometimes when you're going from mid-major to a power five, but within power fives, just because a Duke comes calling doesn't mean you're going to play and that may be something that Joe Girard's going to have to consider down the line. All right, next up, a couple of guys. Maybe you're not as well-versed with some of these guys, but they can score the lights out of the ball. Wendell Moore, small forward. We're getting to the forwards now. He's out of North Carolina, just like Jalen Leck, but he's a little undersized, just six foot five. But he's averaging six and a half rebounds on the circuit. He's also scoring at 17.6 points per game. He's playing for a Team CP3, so Chris Paul knows how to pick him. He's been phenomenal for this team so far. He's leading the team in points and rebounds, second in assists. He's getting on these four on these first teams for all these sessions as well. So he's been playing out of his mind. Wendell Moore. It's tough with Syracuse and some of these North Carolina guys because you got. Pretty much all the ACC hotbeds are in North Carolina. The Dukes, the North Carolinas, the NC States, the Wake Forest. All those are programs that are kind of trending upwards a little bit, especially in the recruiting trail as well. You look at what Danny Manning's doing, Kevin Keats. They're getting some of these guys to come in. I mean, look at Kevin Keats. He got Sacha Kalia Jones to come in as a transfer. This is a former five-star who left Kentucky. Now he's going to NC State. Again, he has to sit out a year, but... It just kind of shows the power of recruiting. Danny Manning's also done a phenomenal job. And then you know what Coach K and Roy Williams do down on Tobacco Road, too. So that that's something that with these Carolina guys, it's going to be tough to lure them away from the home state. So we'll see how that goes. Khalil Whitney next up. He's a Chicago guy. He moved out to New Jersey. He plays for Mac Irvin, which is one of the biggest AAU programs on the circuit. Again, it's produced some of the best recent talent. Jabari Parker, Julia for both of those guys' top five picks. And then Jalen Brunson, who had one of the most decorated college careers that you can have, especially after leaving only leaving a Legacy in just three years at Villanova. Two championships, started on both of those teams, and then the Player of the Year award. Anyways, Khalil Whitney could be putting his name right alongside those three guys, averaging twenty over 20 points per game, almost 21 points per game to go along with six and a half rebounds. Khalil Whitney would be a huge get, and he plays at Roselle Catholic, and that name's going to sound familiar. That's where Tyler Roberson went. That's where Malachi Richardson was at for a couple of years before he transferred to Trenton Catholic. This is a place where Syracuse has a bit of a pipeline, and that could be crucial because if Syracuse can pull a guy like Khalil Whitney, that kind of gives you a nice piece at that small forward to replace an O'Shea Brissett. I talked about in the last segment how with an O'Shea Brissett, he's probably gone to the lottery next year. So you might as well try to get his replacement now in this class, and Khalil Whitney would fit that bill perfectly. I love his game. I think he could be a great piece to this Orange team down the line. A cook, a cook. Putnam Science Academy power forward. This is a guy who he was teammates with Ashuna Shune, who recently spurned the orange. He took St. Bonaventure, but a Akuka cook Cooks, a, a better player than Oshune for sure, averaging 11 points, four rebounds, a couple of blocks too. He's been playing for the PSA Cardinals. And uh, Syracuse, again, it's going to have to fill the front court up again. You're going to have, yes, Robert Braswell. You're going to have Mark Dolajai, but. We don't know how Barama's Sidibe's knees are going to hold up these next couple of years. We don't know what's going to happen uh, with other potential recruits. And maybe some of these guys can go one and done. A couple of names that I'm going to get to in a second are guys who could very well go one and done. So you can never have too much front court. You can never have too much depth. And a a cook-a-cook could be a good piece for this Syracuse team. Now, last two guys both of these guys studs so far on the AC on the AAU circuit. Isaiah Stewart again I mentioned him a little bit earlier he just put Syracuse in his top 10 Albany City rocks kid so you know he's he's got the relationship and again one of the real downers in this whole thing is that he was very close with Coach Hop and Washington is also in his top 10. so that's a little alarming to. And Coach Hop was kind of the one that turned him on to Syracuse. He is a Rochester kid, so he knows the Syracuse brand. He's been around it his whole life. But the fact that Syracuse is in the top 10, no surprise. I'm sure he'll cut that list down to like five or, or three at some point. And hopefully we see Syracuse in there. But he's been dominant, MVP of the Atlanta session. So... He's also one of two players averaging a double-double, 17.5 points per game, 10.5 rebounds. He has the most rebounds on the circuit as well. Isaiah Stewart is the piece you want out of this class. Again, he's a five-star guy, top 10 guy. He'd be Syracuse's biggest recruit since Carmelo Anthony. And if you can lure in a guy like Isaiah Stewart, you're going to be in good business for the next couple of years, or at least one year. Because he's probably a one-and-done type prospect, although he is a little undersized, so we'll see how all that shapes out. Only six foot nine, but who knows? Maybe he's got an inch or two left to grow. Last guy, I hit on him a touch earlier. Kofi Cockburn, he's the other man averaging a double-double on this AAU circuit, 15.8 points per game, almost 11 rebounds per game. Only a four-star right now, and he's actually rated as the 12th best center. This is a very center-heavy class. He's the 33rd best player, but the 12th ranked center per 24-7 sports. So it just kind of shows you there's going to be a lot of big men, and Syracuse is going to be in the market for a big man. So if you could get a guy like Kofi Cockburn, a New York guy, that would be a huge boost to this front court moving into 2019. He's been unbelievable. Again, he's landing on all those first teams, playing on the same team as Jalen Leck. So we'll see... Where Syracuse goes big man wise, it'd be really nice to pull in a Kofi Cockburn or an Isaiah Stewart. That would really solidify this front court moving forward. And there's going to be plenty of options, but those are two of the best of them. And Kofi Cockburn, probably a guy who's going to leave this AAU circuit a little higher than his 33rd ranking. I wouldn't be surprised if he cracks the top 25 or maybe even the top 20. Who knows? We saw Darius Basley again. I know this is a sore subject for some Syracuse fans, but we saw Darius Basley absolutely skyrocket after playing in some of these tournaments. He was, I believe, at one point outside the top 50, or maybe he was like 47, and he shoots all the way into the top 10. So, again, none of these rankings are final, but you can really move your way through the ranks if you if you can play to the caliber of ball that you can. All right, enough basketball. Let's get to some football. We're going to talk a little bit of quarterback hypotheticals. What's it going to take for Tommy DeVito to start over Eric Dungy at some point next season. That's on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Fizz Radio, round three of today's show so far. Tyler Aki with you on the Saturday morning here till 10 o'clock on the score 1260. Be sure to follow us online Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud. Also check us out on iTunes, you'll get the rest of this Fizz Radio, this whole Fizz Radio actually, anything you miss or anything you might miss down the road in this show, you can get it if you subscribe to us, also drop us a 5 star rating, we'd all appreciate that here at Fizz HQ. So, we talked a lot of basketball so far today, I went through some of the recruits and targets that Syracuse is looking at, they're all playing their summer ball right now on the AAU circuit, And a couple of big names, and I hit on all those, so anything you missed, you can go check us out on iTunes. It's all right there. But let's get into some football talk right now, and I think this is everyone's favorite hypothetical of the spring heading into the summer. It is the quarterback position, and really I think... There's not a lot of debate among Syracuse fans. I mean, Eric Dungey's the starting quarterback. I don't think anyone's scratching their head or, or up in arms about that. The only question is how long. And again, Dungey has had the injury issues throughout his career. He's never completed a season fully healthy. When he's on the field, especially last year, he proved he was a difference maker, and he proved that went healthy. He's not just one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, but he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And a lot of these ranking services also see that as well, that rank all the college football quarterbacks. Eric dungie is an elite quarterback in college football with his legs, with his arm. He can do it all. But now he's kind of had something he's never had throughout his college career, and that's competition. I guess you could kind of say he had it his freshman season, but after Terrell Hunt busted his Achilles on the second series of this season. But he's never had competition, and now he kind of does. He's got a four-star recruit breathing down his neck. His name's Tommy DeVito. And quite frankly, Tommy DeVito has looked impressive in pretty much everything he's done in the spring. And again, Eric Dungy's coming off the foot surgery He missed a lot of time. He missed a lot of the offseason workouts rehabbing from that injury. So that let Tommy DeVito kind of slide in and take some reps with the ones with the first string team. And he's been impressive. You look at some of the things that have been written up about him, the recaps from the scrimmages. He's out throwing three touchdowns. Dino Baber says he's closed ground, saying that all these quarterbacks are improving and that Tommy DeVito's kind of meshing with the ones. Now, listen, Eric Dungy's going to be the quarterback week one. He's going to be the quarterback week two, probably week three, week four, week five. He's probably going to be the starting quarterback every single week, as long as he's healthy. But what's it going to take for a guy like DeVito to unseat him? Now, Eric Dungy never really had this type of pressure before, the pressure to perform. And he's performed... In every single one of his seasons that he's been at SU. But he's never been performing. You kind of look at it the way with Jim Bayheim and Frank Howard this year. Frank Howard, his freshman season and sophomore season, had pressure to perform. He had to go out there and not mess up. Or otherwise, he was getting yanked. He was getting pulled out for a John Gillen. He was getting pulled out after just one bad shot his freshman season. But last year, when there's no competition behind you, Frank Howard could make all the mistakes he wanted and he'd stay in the game. He was playing pretty much 40 minutes a night come ACC play. One of the leaders in the entire country in minutes. But now, Eric Dungy's kind of in a situation like freshman and sophomore year Frank Howard where he has this pressure on him that he has to perform, or otherwise he's getting yanked. He wasn't going to get yanked for Zach Mahoney. Keep in mind, Zach Mahoney is a junior college transfer. College of DuPage. There's no pressure necessarily to perform. And when you're, you're more relaxed and you can play like that, maybe you play better sometimes. And we even saw that with Frank Howard this year. He played better than he'd shown in years past because he didn't have that type of pressure. So here's what I'm saying Eric Dungey, or rather, Tommy DeVito is going to have to do in order to start some games over Eric Dungey. And again, this is not something that I totally believe is going to happen. Because I think Eric Dungey, as long as he's healthy, is going to be the starter all 12, maybe a 13th game. But I think it all starts... Not necessarily in practice because, again, Tommy DeVito is going to be rolling out with a 2s a good amount. But it's going to kind of, you're going to have to see a lot of bad things happen to Eric Dungy in order for Tommy DeVito to see the field. So how bad, you might ask? Well, okay, I'm going to pull up the schedule right now. Just taking a look at this Syracuse football schedule for 2018. By the way, you're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Western Michigan. Again, this is a game that I I envision Eric Dungy thriving in. I envision Eric Dungy really thriving in the first couple of games. But unless Eric Dungy, unless things really go south for him these first four weeks, I don't see a scenario where we're seeing Tommy DeVito. Again, we'll probably see Tommy DeVito against Wagner because Syracuse will be up by 30, 40 points. So you can throw in the the redshirt freshman get his first taste of college football but i don't see him appearing any time before that again he'll play wagner because the second strings will be in it gets interesting after that once you get deep into acc play and i know they play florida state in week 3 but i don't think he's going to dino babers would throw tommy devito out there against a primetime team like florida state against a primetime team like clemson if things were going poorly for eric Dungy. I think Eric Dungey could throw two, three interceptions against Clemson and still be the guy. Now, a fourth, maybe that's where we start to have a conversation. But I don't see a situation where Tommy DeVito could start any of the first five games of the season. Now, if Eric Dungey is having an absolute dumpster fire of a year, he can't get things going, running the ball, he's turning the ball over offensively through the air, Pitt could be the one. North Carolina could be the one. NC State. All of these, again, some of these are good teams. You look at an NC State, pretty good team. But those are the games where if Eric Dungy is having a colossally bad season where he is getting booed off the field, that is the only time I could see Tommy DeVito starting. It won't happen until at least Pitt or North Carolina. And again, I'm a Tommy DeVito fan. But Eric Dungy currently is the much better quarterback. And I don't think there's any question in my mind. Dino Baber's mind, more importantly. And then all the fans' minds. Eric is the better quarterback. Now, again, the competition thing could be a, a real factor this year. Again, he's not a Juco transfer like Zach Mahoney was. Nothing against Zach Mahoney. Again, this guy worked to get his scholarship. He was a scholarship player by his senior season. But Tommy DeVito... Was getting poached at the last second by SEC schools, by Pac 12 schools, by Big 12 schools. And he said no to stay at, stay at Syracuse. He was considered one of the top 11 quarterbacks. He's going to the opening challenge. He's an Under Armour All American. I don't see it happening anytime this season. But again, Tommy DeVito would not start until at least the pit game on October 6th. Week six. He wouldn't get thrown to the Flames against Clemson, no matter how bad Eric Dungy is playing. I think week six is the only, week six, seven, and on really, would be the only times we would see Tommy DeVito potentially start over Eric Dungy. And it would only be if Dungy was throwing the ball all over the place and couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And maybe he will. Maybe the pressure will get up to him. Again, it's something he's never experienced throughout his time at SU. He's never been in a pressure situation where he could have his job on the line. And again, Dino Baber's already kind of dialing it up, saying that DeVito has gained ground. And then DeVito's going out and proving it and throwing three touchdowns in a scrimmage. So, it'll be interesting. A good problem to have, though. Great problem to have for your Syracuse football. You got two potentially good quarterbacks. I mean, this isn't like hockey where they say you have two goalies, you have none. You have two quarterbacks, you have none. That's not the case, especially in college. You can have two really good quarterbacks. Look at the Eagles in the Super Bowl last year. They had two really good quarterbacks. One of them brought them all the way to the Super Bowl, guided them through the playoffs. And Carson Wentz is a hell of a quarterback himself. So, good problem to have if you're a Syracuse football fan. Should be a nice, fun couple of seasons. I think Eric Dungie really kick this fun stretch that we're about to have with Syracuse football even though the four and eights were brutal to watch you had a little bit of fun with some of them so coming up next fizz feedback let's wrap this thing up you're listening to fizz radio Closing time here on Fizz Radio. Score 1260, Tyler Aki. We got you here for a couple more minutes. Let's go into f- some Fizz feedback. And again, if you missed any of today's show, subscribe to us on iTunes, on the Apple Pod Center. You'll get this full episode. Also, some great interviews, Fizzcast, all that good stuff. By the way, just a little programming note for you. We're going to have an exclusive interview with Kevin Belby, GM of Bayheim's Army. Look for that in the upcoming week. We will break down everything you need to know about the basketball tournament, all that and more. So stay tuned for that. That should be fun. Kevin Bellby, be always fun to talk to. And, and the tournament, right around the corner. Before you know it, it's going to come up in July. So be on the lookout for that in the next about well, a couple days, I'd say. Anyways, uh, I threw out these questions. You know the drill. You respond on Twitter, and I break down your responses. Okay, so I started off with. Which SU sophomore, basketball we're talking about, is going to take the biggest leap next season? Will it be Mark Doljai, O'Shea Brissett, Howard Washington, or Barama Sadibe? O'Shea Brissett, to no surprise, out in front, 45%. Mark Doljai, 33%. Barama Sadibe 21%. Now, yes, I do think that O'Shea Brissett is going to be the best of these four, no doubt about that, but... Again, we're talking about the biggest leap. What, in terms of leaps, especially with Ty's battle coming back, there isn't uh, necessarily the biggest of leaps that O'Shea Brissett can take. Again, this is a guy who almost averaged a double-double his freshman season. So, yes, is he going to be better? Of course. But, yeah, he'll probably be a little more efficient. But, how much of a leap can you really take when everyone's coming back? So, that's why I think the interesting ones here are Mark Dolzhai and Barama Sidibe. Barama Sadibe, when he was healthy, was better than Pascal Chukwu last year. Offensively, at least. He fouled a little bit too much on defense. But if he can clean that up, be healthy, he's a much more polished offensive player than Pascal Chukwu. You get him going, he could be—he could take the biggest leap out of all these guys. And then Mark Dolajai, the leap he took from day one when he came to America to March 23rd when he played against Duke in the Sweet 16... It was huge. Huge. You just look at the progress he made throughout the season. That jump shot, he was confident with it. If he continues to work on that, maybe he can step out and take a three, too. That's the ways that they that Mark Dolajai can take that, that big leap and be an effective starter in the ACC. So we'll also see how his body fills out too. I'd like to see how much muscle he adds over the offseason. Next up. Where do you rank Syracuse basketball in your preseason polls? Top 10, 11 to 16, 17 to 22, or 23 or worse? 11 to 16, the leader in the clubhouse right now, 56%, 17 to 22 at 20%, top 10, 19%, and 23 or worse. I'll say the first and the last options probably not happening. Don't see Syracuse entering as a top 10 team or outside the top 23 although Ken Palm did put Syracuse at number 7 in his preseason computer rankings, so maybe that's something. And Syracuse always measures well in, in Ken Palm, so we'll see how that factors in. But I think the 11-16 to 16 is fair. And with Tyus Battle coming back and everyone on this team, they've had a full season together through the trenches, I think they could be a top 15-team preseason. And I've seen some things floated around out there I think Andy Katz of NCAA.com had him at 13. Um, ESPN had him at 16. So I think that 11-16 to 16 is the right bet here. Fizz Nation, you got it right with the 11-16. to 16. Last one before we head out of here. Which defensive unit will be the strongest? Will it be the defensive line, the linebackers, or the secondary? And... Uh, Really no surprises, I think, in these answers as well. Defensive line, way out in front of everyone at 66%. Secondary at 19%, linebackers at 15 Actually, I will say this. Linebackers getting 15% is a little surprising. If if linebackers had 0%, I would not have batted an eye. Although, when you lose all three of the guys, you're probably going to struggle a little bit the next season. But secondary, definitely with the younger guys, it looks like Andre Sisco's having himself a nice spring slash summer. He's getting some interceptions and I think he could be a valuable piece in the secondary, especially if we don't see Antoine Cordy come back and see him play offense full-time. Defensive line, though, you look at the guys coming back. Coleman, Black, Brandon Barry, Chris Slayton, they're going to be a unit. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the ACC. All right, that's all the time we're going to have for you today on Fizz Radio. Check us out online, orangefizz.net, for all our great content. We'll see you next week.